I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gilders Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. Will you say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort? <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me for the second week in a row on a Sunday is Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, first of all, thank you for waking up super early on Sunday and doing it. this with me. You got it. That's that half a gallon of uh, coffee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might need that today. Uh, so, Michele, it's August. There's nothing going on in the NBA mm-hmm. except for this James Harden news that Harden's not showing up to training camp and the Sixers aren't trading him and we're at a stalemate, which is, it's not uh, an unpredictable, you know, uh, place to be with both of those guys. So, uh, yeah, pretty bad for both of them, I would say. I guess maybe not for James Harden. James Harden's still going to get paid. But the uh, the Sixers are still yeah. just slowly ever so slowly just falling apart and it's yeah. it's not not great um i wonder uh how much pressure is like creeping up in Maury's office i mean um it's it's hard to do this trade for james harden um thinking that everything will work basically I mean, not doing immediately directly from Houston because you can't because you actually your former um, owner is mad at you and then you, you do it one and a half year later and later and, and it's not working um, yeah and and they spent a lot of assets and again now you are stuck with uh, Joel uh, and I don't know. I mean, you, you have to win a title over, or at least shown him that you are competitive. Just enough, get past like doing the second round. Like just get past the second round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you have to. I mean, I I don't think that that will work. Um, you have to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, or or in the finals in order for him to say, okay, I trust this, because there is no improvement. That is the issue. Because if you constantly improving and you have Milwaukee playing the greatest basketball, they I mean, think about the Bulls. Like, you, you can be a great team, but but if on the other side there is Michael Jordan, you can say, okay, like we are doing everything. Just that guy is is like no no matter where I play, this guy will be there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that is the the feeling that there exists now in Sixerland. Like, I think that the team is probably the best version of the team is the one with Jimmy Butler, which is three years ago now. Yeah. And and it's it's never. Uh, better than that so at some point he will either he's super duper loyal and he wants to stay there because he's like wired that way or it's going to be happening in the next one one and a one and a half season uh, i would i would guess and, and and harden i mean yeah he will get paid sure uh but a 
from by whom? I mean, I can see a team like Charlotte making an offer because they are desperate. I can see Chicago maybe paying him, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but does a top-tier team really trust him? Again, like after a no-show, after as soon as he's not like okay with the situation, he just doesn't show up. He didn't show up in Houston. He asked for a trade in Brooklyn, and now he's basically not showing up in Philly. When arguably his play is why the Sixers are not past the second round. It's it's not anybody else's fault. I mean, of course, there are other stuff. It's never one player's fault, but he's paid like the second best player in the te- on the team, and he was not the second mm-hmm. best player for Philadelphia in the playoffs. So it's 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 a tough position for him as well. I mean, I is there a situation where in the next two years he's on a Russell Westbrook trajectory where he's bouncing here, there, here, totally there, possible, for... totally possible. Yeah, because he's getting. I mean, he's getting paid thirty-five million, which looking at like Carl Anthony Towns and other players' contracts, like that doesn't seem so bad. Mm-hmm. But when that contract ends, it's a good point. Like Russ is making three point eight next year. Yeah, I don't think it'll be that low. But how much are teams going to be willing to pay for for Harden? I mean, could he get four for eighty from somebody? Yeah, and, yeah then, and then honestly, that's great value for James Harden. Yeah, that's tremendous value for Harden. Now he's gonna his agent will push for way more than that. Like, there's no question. But he's also got to play. He's got to play really well. Yeah. For that to happen, when it matters, I mean, he's a good regular, good, great regular season player. I mean, yeah. everybody knows that. He's just he can just like walk up and score forty five points, ten assists, shooting forty eight percent from three. Like mm-hmm. he can do that every single night, which Russ can't. Yeah, which is a very very different situation. I'm talking more about like being a relevant player on a relevant team. That is that is something that I really question. Again, a team like Charlotte can say, okay, let's. Let's see. We have millions. Just, just spend millions on, on a guy like that, and we'll see where where we go. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll go to the playoffs because he's pretty damn good at running a regular season offense. Since we we possibly don't care, we we, we will actually be okay blaming someone yeah. for a first round exit. Um, so that could be a great strategy. But again, it's these kind of teams. It's not um, the team that actually wants to win. Yeah, it's true. That is true. Yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes. I mean, Harden, he's, his best-case scenario for him is to actually just show up to camp and just play hard and be good. Because if you're really yeah. good for Philly, somebody's going to pay you. But, yeah. if you're, but if you sit out or if you're just mediocre, like, teams aren't going to pay him. Yeah. Okay, like, guess how many times James Harden last season scored more, 30 points or more. Hmm. I actually don't have any good idea of that, so I will say 18. He did it five times. Okay. I thought a bit more. I, I, in my head, I had, like, not many times, but come on, like 18 times. That that should be, like, one of one out of four games. Yeah, five times he did it against Milwaukee, Boston, Milwaukee, Utah, and Memphis. Wow. 
Isn't that wild? It is wild. How many times did you, um, did you take like less than 16 shots? Less than shots. 16 shots? Yeah. A lot. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, or the opposite. Because I wonder if this is just inefficiency or just lack of... 37 times he didn't shoot. He took 15 shots or less. Well, then it's also like... Um, yeah, I expected less times where it took more than 15. But again, uh, it's... Um, it will be a decline also in the regular season from now on. And you're right. If he doesn't show up, if he doesn't play hard, there will be people like thinking, okay... Um, he was three years ago a max player last year he was probably a good player and he sit out like this season what are we paying him like why why should we pay him 40 millions mm -hmm. like I, I I just don't understand why he he just took the player option then yeah because, like this season to me maybe someone will, will go 120 for four years that doesn't seem like terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not terrible. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen with James. He, I don't. I, I he clearly is not the same player, but still a very productive player. Yeah. So I don't. I don't mean this like to completely demean. I mean, thirty-four times he scored twenty or more. Yeah. You know. It's like he's still a really good scorer. Was an amazing passer for the Sixers last year. Mm -hmm. had, had two 20 assist games. Yeah. And was double digit assists in 37 games. So Yeah, that's that's not easy to do, but again, I mean, um if you if you look at the whole package, the willingness of saying, "Okay, let's go and pay him whatever, a max." Mm -hmm. That's that is not something that I would actually do. Yeah, you cannot do that. Like no. You just flat out cannot do that. Yeah. Yeah, and there is a lot of gray uh, between the max and the, the MLE, even if those contracts are less and less used uh, for for veterans. I mean, you can use them as an extension to, like for Lou Dort, not paying him the max, but paying him something that is... Um, like twice the MLE. Mm -hmm. I don't see that going a lot. Uh, there was um, a funny uh, infographics. I think it, it was Bobby Marks uh, putting that online about how money are distributed in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, again, max, near max, and then a lot of nothing mm -hmm. up until the, the MLE level, especially for vets. Yeah. Um, so I wonder where a player like that will actually end up in two years. Yeah, that's a that's a great point because there's not a lot of wiggle room for a lot of these teams to give out mm -hmm. these mid-tier contracts. Yeah. They just don't really exist all that much. So, yeah, and, and it's also about how do you want to use your cap space? Are you want to fill out your roster with um like you have say you have 40 million in space. Are you actually paying two guys? 20 millions or you're trying to get the max player and i think or or i mean paying one as a max player i think that this is what teams are doing mm -hmm. instead of saying okay i have these two good players that i want to fill my roster with yeah yeah i i'm very curious to see how this plays out he will be a very interesting 
player in next summer. And now maybe a team will surface and some team will, will want him, but maybe a team will, will surface that would be willing to pay him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Michele, first question. I have five questions for you. Wow. First question. Is there a price that makes sense for the Thunder to buy low on Pascal Siakam? I was think I was thinking about that. Um, probably prompted by either the Fry Pod or the uh, Wednesday Pod, um, because if you think about it, it's a very good four to have with your team. I mean, I I like the idea of developing Usman Jang, developing Bit Pokushevsky, but Pascal is um, is a is a good product. Like he's not a guy um, that will change dramatically the trajectory of your locker room. Like he's not the guy that will say, "Okay, this is my team." No, it's it's clearly yeah. not. It's 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 not. And that is probably going to be the third, fourth, fifth best player on the team. But he's darn good. Third, fourth, and fifth. Um, so. Right now, it doesn't seem to me a good idea today. At the deadline, it could be. Especially if, I mean, to me, the most important part is how does the core feels about it? And how mm-hmm. does he feels about it? Is he willing to say, okay, I'm coming and re-upping immediately? Um, I, I don't think he can. But, um, you know, like liking the project, liking the idea of constructing something, in OKC long term, if those are like points where both both sides are okay, we are interested in doing that. Then I I would actually pay Usman Jang, Kason Wallace, and a couple of first, maybe one first. Whoa, is not great. that is like by far the best trade package they could get. Yeah, is it too much? Probably it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. Either one of Kaysen Wallace and, uh, and Usman Jang? Yeah, plus could, one pick. yeah, one of them. One of them. Which like, is probably Uz. Because they're in a position where they can, you know, if they did it today, they could use Bertans and Oladipo. Like as contract fodder yeah. to make it work. Yeah, they can also do that at the deadline, I think. And then if they hang on to both of them. Yeah, which yeah, for Bertans is probably the case. For Oladipo, I, I yeah, Ber- yeah, Bertans, yes, but Oladipo less certain on something like that. But yeah, Kaysen and Us is too much. But th- do, my, do you think that they will settle for less? I th- here's the thing. I think Toronto's going to drag their feet in into Pascal's free agency and lose him. Is what I think is going to happen. Yeah, but yes, um, yes, I agree. But at, if you're OKC, you you know that you can't really acquire him if he goes there, and Toronto knows that. Like you, can, you, can, you are not a free yeah, agent. Yeah, they're not. Not no. just because of the of the city. I'm talking more about the cup structure. You will not be able to do that. In free agency, whereas you are able to do it now. Yeah, I I don't think one. I just don't think the Thunder will do this. I'm just wondering if there's a price that's low enough because I I just don't know that you can afford to pay him 
I don't know. I mean, he's he's making 37 right now. Mm-hmm. He's a top 20, 25 player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's going to command probably 50 to $60 million. Yeah, that's 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 a non that that's the non-starter for me. I, I don't think that a player like that will will actually be good for OKC. My, I mean, kind of my question though, and I just don't. This is another reason why the Thunder wouldn't do it. Is there a price that's low enough where the Thunder would just be okay with having him on the team for just this season? That is why it's it's uh, it's not now because it like, would be like. Bertans, Oladipo, and then like one pick. If it was just like one pick, yeah, okay, okay. But but that is, I, I mean, yes. But but like Toronto scoff at that. I say, okay, we'll, we'll we'll do the same. We'll just have him. Yeah, and I know. Play our cards in free agency. That's why I say, okay, you need to go. I mean, yes. Now then, think about it. It's it's too much to get to Ooze and 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 Kaysen together. But one of one of them in a pick. I mean, I don't think that Pascal will raise them to like title contender, and if and if it doesn't, it's it's just not worth it. Yeah, I agree. Especially if you think that there is a team that uh, is likely able to offer Pascal those kind of money, which I don't think there exists. I don't think there will be a line of teams like saying, "Okay, let's just pay Pascal a max." Yeah, and blow him out. I, I mean, which yeah. team is able to do that next season? I don't know. That's why he is like one. I think I think he wants to stay in Toronto, yeah, and wants the extension. But the Raptors are screwing up again. Mm-hmm. Like the I don't. I just I know the rap. They won the title, and you can never take that away from them. Like mm-hmm. that's great. But since then, boy, yeah, it's been an absolute mess. An absolute mess for them. Would you entertain a deal with Philly? That makes a ton of sense for both sides. For Harden? Yeah. I mean, you can reroute Harden wherever. That is not the point. It's the point of getting assets. And like for Philly, to me, is is more for the Philly side. I mean, yeah. having that that guy can change the equation quite a bit. Yeah. the The one that I like the most is probably the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Where you could tr- trade Chris Paul and Kaminga and a pick. Yeah. Is this enough? I mean, for Toronto, it's a terrible deal. That's a terrible deal? Yeah. What about... Yeah, sure. If, if, you, if you do... I was thinking at least Wiggins... Oh no, you can't deal wigs. What if why? it's no, no, sell me on why? If you're the if you're the, the Warriors, you're trying to win a title. I I know. What if it's Kaminga, Moody, Chris Paul, and two picks? Yeah, but why 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 can I can't I get Wiggins? Because Wiggins I is because because I want to have a lineup that is Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Pascal, Draymond. That's what I want. Then I can go win the NBA title. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm not doing it. And then like it you have Gary Payton off, coming off the bench, Kevon Looney. Hey, if you want Pajemski, 
You can have Pajemski too. No, no. I was thinking more about the role on on the court that Pascal and Wiggins play, and I'm not sure they. I like them together. Wiggins shoots though. Yeah, he does. How much gravity does he really create? Honestly, the gravity that Steph creates himself, it just. Yeah, I know. I know. You know. Yeah, but if you keep them, keep them both, then then there is no chance in re-upping with with Siakam. Whereas if you have him and not Wiggins, you may actually trying to extend that. But Wiggins and Draymond only make twenty, twenty four, and twenty two million. Like the, really, the yeah. question becomes: Then in next offseason, is it Clay or Pascal that you re-up with? Yeah, I don't know. I if I'm in Toronto, I'm not really liking your package right now. Yeah. Of, of players and picks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't do really much to me. I mean. I mean, Toronto's just going to stink, is like what it comes I know, down to. But with with or without Pascal. We really like. I mean, they, 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 it's reported that they like Jeng. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they want something in, in which they can believe in. Yeah. Like Kuminga, Moody. Kuminga's only 20. Kuminga, Moody. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, I don't quite like it. Yeah. And um, they have really, they, the Warriors had like this golden opportunity in front of them, mm. and they have kind of screwed, they kind of screwed it up with the players that they picked with Wiseman and Kuminga. Yeah, there's still yeah. fans of Kuminga out there. They exist. Yeah, but yeah, they're not on this. Course. They're not on this podcast, but they do exist. I mean, we should. I should do it because I. It's the third time this sum this summer that I am posing this question without actually searching for an answer. How many times does a player stink for three years, and then he becomes an all star? I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example. And and it's not that necessarily Kuminga Kuminga is is a stinky player. It's just not blossoming into anything. Yeah. No, he he's not blossoming into anything. Yeah. How many players like they they just coast through without too many shining moments of their, of their first two three seasons, and then boom, they go out and and be incredible players. Yeah. I don't know. The one that immediately hit my brain was Andrew Bynum, but. I don't know that he he okay. He was okay for he was he kind of struggled the first few years of his Lakers career and then kind of blossomed. But he's also a like an eighteen year old big. Yeah, and the league was just so yeah. much different back then. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, maybe Kaminga could become an Andrew Wiggins kind of player down yeah. the road. Which I know he made an all-star team, but he's not a real all-star. Like, let's just be clear. Yeah, but but Wicks was. I mean, he was very, very, very talented. It was apparent that he was very talented, and he was scoring a lot. He signed the max extension with me, and true. I mean, I was convinced. Yeah, like giving him a max deal is the only option for me because he's not like he's improving. He's shooting the ball better. And yeah. yeah, he has deficiency, the efficiencies in his game for sure. But Kuminga, like for for Kuminga 
like um, a year like the one that Wiggins had in year two, year three of his rookie career is a dream. Yeah, it's true. And maybe it's opportunity. Yeah. You know how many minutes total Jonathan Kamingo played in the playoffs this past year? Eight. That's more than that. 61 minutes. Okay. But Yeah, yeah. And after the first round? After the first round? Oh, gosh. Let me see if I can pull up the game log. I'm just looking at total minutes. Um, it cannot be very many. In against the Lakers, uh, let's see. He played in a blowout, nine minutes in a blowout. Yeah, then there's more He played more nine minutes. minutes in another blowout. Damn. He played zero minutes in game one, zero minutes in a close game three. So in these two close games, minus five, minus three, he didn't play any. In a 15-point win for the Warriors, he played two minutes and 24 seconds. And then in a 21-point loss, he played three minutes and 45 seconds. He just didn't play yeah. in that series. And they needed somebody. Especially yeah, if you're anybody. six foot eight, you know, yeah. I don't know how two two fifteen, two twenty, whatever he is. Like yeah. he's yeah. He's got like the physical profile. But and we've talked about this a lot. But there is a reason the Thunder did not pick Jonathan Kaminga. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was just like not that he's not talented. He's extremely talented. It's just the way that he processes the game, which makes it harder for him to be on the Warriors, I think. Yeah, and it's weird that the Warriors that are the team that showed how IQ and... Yeah, Sean Livingston. Like, Sean Livingston became a very valuable player on their team just because of this, just because of his brain. Yeah, and it's the ability to process the game at a certain speed. I mean, it's um, it's something that you could see a guy like Franz Wagner having. I mean, I was questioning, is he worth like a top 10 pick because of the talent? Mm-hmm. But the, the glue guy status, it was obvious to me that he could have been like a very, very good glue guy and, yeah. and a shooter. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was right there. He was and, right there. And Kaminga was just like the... he. It's clear that it was not Steve Kerr and the coaching staff having any input at all. This was yeah. like ownership saying, hey, highest swing. Like, just just swing as hard as you can. Yeah, and, but it's, yeah. And, and Kaminga was that. I mean, six foot eight wing that jumps out of the gym, that can do a lot of different things, like showed flashes of lots of different things. Mm-hmm. He, but he's... I mean, Kaminga's got to have a, a good year this year. Like He's got to play real yeah. minutes this year yeah. to get his career on track. Because, I mean, he played in the regular season, you know, 20 minutes a night for the seventh pick in the draft. That's just not good enough. No, 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 no. So it's, um, again, it's swinging twice. And I mean, I'm fine swinging with a late pick. Like you, you have Pokushevsky there at 16, just swing it. Yeah. If it goes nowhere, who cares? Yeah. Um, the likelihood is that you get the role player. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's tough. They were in a position to be able to swing. You know, they won the title, you know, in the time. You know, that swing they had once. Him. But yeah, 
it would would have been nice to get somebody that you can play 30 minutes a night. Look, look at Presti. I mean, like, Kason Wallace is not a swing. It's, hey, we swung one with, with Usman Jang. Yeah. Let's see. Now we can't swing. Yeah. We need to balance the, the times that where we swing and the times where we pick. Mm-hmm a more reliable sort of development. And 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 granted, like Kisson Wallace can be nothing in three years. He can yeah. be just a player that can't stay on the court because it's too small. Um, I mean, guys like Sam Vecini said, okay, he, he is small. There are not many times where a 6'3", 6'4", point guard can actually impact the game to a high, le- high level because of the size. So it can happen. It's just the mean value for a guy like Kaysen Wallace is an NBA role player that plays on the eight-man rotation of a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the mean value of a guy like Usman Jang or guys like that is probably being out of the league. Mm-hmm. And and the, the upside, though, is, hey, that can be the next superstar because of the size, the touch, this, the smoothness, uh, the ball handling at 6'11 or whatever he is. So with Kuminga, I mean... It was clear that the ability to process the just just watch three clips with him, mm-hmm. and you will know. I mean, I remember, and we discussed it on Thunder After Dark. Yeah, like the fact that Mike Schmidt was saying, "Hey, um, what what were you seeing in these clips where he was just getting the ball, yeah, jabbing, jabbing, and, and shooting?" Said, yeah, yeah, I missed the shot. Yeah. Hell no! This is not what you're supposing to look at. It's yeah. hey, you have a close defender. There is a guy that is wide open at the top of the key. You have the time window to pass the ball to a wide open guy, and you are jabbing, 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 and taking like an ill advised two point jumper. And if you don't realize that, on like there are guys that are unable to process the game real time. Yeah. But where when you show them, they actually realize, hey, you made a mistake. Oh, okay. Yep. And you force yourself to re- recognize small situations. You you will maybe never get to. Halliburton or Giddy or Lamelo Ball kind of, hey, I'm going to see that yeah. three seconds before it happens. But maybe you can do boom, rhythm stuff where, okay, I'm I'm getting passing, getting passing. And but if you watch it, rewatch it and you don't understand it, that is, I mean, again, it was there. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. Yeah. There's a reason Steve Kerr won't play him in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason for that. Uh, okay, question number two. Can you tell me the three youngest players on the Thunder's roster? I think I can. Uh, Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy. He is the th- he's the third youngest. Yeah. Uh, Kaysom Wallace, Usman Jang. That's exactly right. Kaysom Wallace is the youngest. Uh, no. Oh, damn. Okay. And then Usman, Usman Jang. Okay. Uh, Kaysom Wallace turns 21 next November. Mm-hmm. Usman Jang turns 21 in uh, in May. Yeah. Okay. And then Giddy turns 21 this coming October. Yeah. Which is insane. For Did you Giddy? know yeah. that Giddy is only a month older than Brandon Miller, who hasn't played an NBA game yet? Yeah. One month yeah, older than Brandon Miller. Jaime Jaquez is a year and a half older than Giddy than yeah. Josh Giddy, who has played two years in the NBA. I that to me is a is a good like, hey, 
no one and no one's like worried about Giddy. Everybody thinks Giddy is good, mm-hmm. but Giddy is the same age as a lot of the guys that are in this class that's incoming. Yeah, like he's and not that much. Like, I think yeah. he's like six months older than the Thompson twins. Yeah, like he is no, right there with them. Like he's basically the same age as the Thompson twins, and he's got two years of experience, and it was and just incredible in the play. Like, I mean, and it's not that he, he actually. Oops. Okay. Um, what was sorry. that? Yeah, it was my uh, doorbell. That's your doorbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you always have the same reaction. There should be in half an hour a party for Anita, who is oh. turning nine today. Um, I am I am having a birthday party for my nine year old today as well. Wow. Today we're having a football swim party. Wow. But it, yeah, I remember their birthday being close, but not yeah. the same day. Yeah. Well, today's not his birthday, but today's okay. his birthday party. Okay. So. Okay. Um, but my my in-laws, which I'm betting uh, are arriving like 35 minutes earlier because that is what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, back on Giddy. And it's not that two years. It's, yeah, I mean, it's two years away from being two years away. No, no, no. He's shown that he can dominate like a playing game, which is yes. mind-blowing. And to me, like when we already discuss, and, and I'm guilty as well, about, hey, uh, in the best version of okay, see in two years, maybe we have to trade Giddy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. In two years, Josh Giddy can be the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, would I bet on that? No. Can it happen? Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. If he keeps the trajectory of improvement, that is actually borderline crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the jump that he made from year one to year two is insane. And nobody is talking about it. Yeah. Like, I know that J-Dub made a jump between the first half of the season and the second one, and it was apparent, and I'm pumped. I mean, we should be as pumped for Josh Giddy. I know that it's unconventional. I know, I know that the plus-minus is not there. Uh, and there are many things where you can say, yeah, he is like improving in terms of numbers, but can he really be impactful? He's showing the aggressiveness, the ability to attack, like to be like a scorer, mm-hmm. to just pull the, the defense of the other team against him it's not there are many chances where he's not guarded one-on-one yet which is insane and he's not generating as many free throws as he should be generating with his play style which we know this is only a byproduct of age i mean there are players like luca who are like from the jump they 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 are used to get fouls they Mm -hmm. are used to do that for giddy it was not that he didn't play uh try to get the contact basketball style in his first two years and now he's learning to do that and it's only a matter of time before he gets five six seven times to the line and when that happens that player becomes an all-star period that is going to happen yeah yeah chris murray over two years older than giddy (laughs) omex prosper is a year and change older uh than giddy i mean it's these guys that haven't played in the league yet that are going to be that are like young first round picks are still older than Josh Giddy. Now, a lot of these guys are younger, like Vic and Scoot and Anthony Black, and all these guys yeah. are like quite a bit younger than him. But there are a lot of guys coming into the league. Like he is the age of most rookies at 20 years old. Yeah. And so that to me, I just think that we need to like pump the brakes a little bit with Josh and just say, like, hey, 
what he did at 20 years old because it's he's his birthday is at like a really great time because he's that same age the entire season october 10th yeah he's the same age for an entire season so his year 20 in the league 16 6 and 8 or 16 8 and 6 is insane for a 20 year old on like league average efficiency yeah, 48% from the field. Up, I mean, 48% from the field. A lot of times we like to focus on the three-point shot, which obviously from 26% to 32% is a lot. But to go from 41.9% from the field to 48.2, that yeah. to me, is a, that's a, a number to really look at, maybe even a little bit more, that he became efficient like all over the court, not just from three. Yeah. So I just think... He just did a tremendous job with his game, and I'm excited to see what he looks like. And even, in, like, he's 21? 21. Like, a lot of times you don't even evaluate what a guy is at age 21. Look yeah. at Jonathan Kaminga. Like, we're still giving him some time. But Giddy is obviously a very good player that's going to have the chance to make all-star teams, I think, just because yeah. not many guys at age 20 – Average 16, 8, and 6, 31 minutes per game on a team that makes the play in, on a team that has like this upward trajectory where he was one of, he's the second best player on the court next to Shea in that Pelicans game, in the, in the play in game. It's just absurd. It's just absurd what, yeah, what he was is. able to do in year one. Um, also, Jay Will is the fourth youngest guy on the team. That that probably I couldn't have guessed from the top of my head. Yeah, which I think is interesting. He just turned 21. And that's somebody else that I I think is, he's definitely closer to a finished product just because he's like more limited athletically. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's still somebody that's really young that's that's developing. So um, anyways, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, Okay. Let's take a quick break and we come back. We're going to talk about Shea and Team Canada. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, Michele, did you watch any of Shea with Team Canada yesterday against the New Zealand? What was they? the The All Blacks? What are they? I don't know what they are. Well, in rugby, they are surely the All Blacks. <laughs> I don't know. Did, uh, it's one, the old one, they uh, they didn't have any clue what they were doing playing defense because there were multiple times where Dylan Brooks was defended as if he were Steph Curry out there. Yeah. Um, but I was St- Steve Jones on Twitter, who's great follow, has a great podcast um, with Nikias Duncan, and he was posting about Shay's shot and mm-hmm. he did this many times. So we're going to show these clips. We can, and I, yeah, we can talk over these clips. So yeah. Dylan Brooks, <laughs> that's the one. So here's Shay in the corner. Now the shot just looks a lot better. I'll show it again. So again, just, just, just Dylan playing the point terrible messy, defense. in a messy way. Um, and Powell, just Shay nailing this corner three. He, it just looks a little bit more smooth. Yeah, compact, quicker. 
and smoother. Yeah, no, he's clearly clearly yeah. working a lot in the shot. I mean, yeah. the form when he started um, his career in the NBA was very forward, uh, like yeah. the angle between the his body and his hands, yeah, uh, his arms was very very um, front. I would say. Oh, I can't do it from the top of my head right now, but it was like 100 degrees. Uh, and now it's more on the 120, 135. Um, so it, it's, it should be like in a position where like if you take, well, okay, um, just look at that player, like taking a good shot. It's the angle from the vertical is 45 degree. Um, and Shea was lower than that. So if you if you start from his yeah. belly, it's 110 degrees. If you if you start from the top, it's uh, it's lower. So it's um, now looks like a very compact and proper shot. Mm -hmm. And again, the, the 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 wrist was always good um, because it was. I mean, the rotation on the ball was great. But if you look at the how he shots now, the follow through is good. The offhand is better. It's not as forward. And, and in general, I mean, he can, he's really working on, on like honing these skills mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I mean, he, he knows that he will have way more spot up opportunities next season playing yes. with Chet and Giddy. That was something that I wanted to bring up and yeah. J-Dub. I mean, they've, they've yeah. got, you have to be able to play on and off ball, everybody yeah. on and off ball with this Thunder team. And it's not even that everybody has to be a playmaker with the ball. You got to be a playmaker without the ball too, which J Dub yeah. is like a, a natural at that. Mm -hmm. I think Wiggins is also somebody that's like a like very naturally gifted at running off ball, mm -hmm. and like Shea's Kenrich. Kenrich is amazing. I think Shea has gotten better. I think Giddy needs to get better at that. Um, to continue. I wonder where Chet will be in that regard. He's got, I mean, I I am very interested to see. They kind of need him to be one of the best guys like that. Yeah. And if he is, he'll have a chance to win rookie of the year because I think he'll score a ton because I think these guys will find him. And it's like almost like a, a new toy, you know? Yeah. Where they hey, just, hey, look. Yeah. Hands that, raised right there. giant and has like incredible touch. Like let's score baskets with this guy. I, I think that's going to happen. I think that's what it's going to look like. Yeah. Uh, I'm very, very intrigued to see uh, what that looks like. But Shea looked great yesterday, 26 points. He had six steals <laughs> yesterday. Uh, yeah, we all know Shea's good. But if the shot improves, and if like he can hit off, you know, off the catch threes, yeah, that will be a tremendous like step up for him. Overall. Yeah, you can just you can just play spread pick and roll between Giddy and Chad if that happens. Yeah. I mean, um, sometimes there will be teams that will cheat on Ludort, but if you can have moments where you have Jade up, Giddy, um, Shea, Chad, and and a shooter out there, maybe Micic, Mitzic, maybe um, Isaiah Joe, or or someone else's like that, and you play spread pick and roll with Giddy with the bowling sense, that will be lethal. Like yeah. it's it's just it's how do you guard it? Mm -hmm. You go you go under the pick and roll, Giddy will just spring to the basket mm -hmm. and or play pick and pop with um with Chad. And you have like three guys that can actually hit 40% of the trees. Mm -hmm. 
wide open. It's pick your poison and it's going to be a bad pill to swallow. Yeah. This is where I just, like if Shay's better and if Chet can just be a functional big. Yeah. Like averaging 12, I'm not, six, I'm not even one block. I'm not even asking for a ton from him. And J-Dub is improved. And Giddy is improved. It's just hard for me. It is, and as long as they're healthy, maybe, and maybe that's like the biggest question. I just think they're going to be good. Like, I just think this is going to be a, a good team. Guys, I'm, I'm trying not to be mad at Andrew right now, but he's the same guy that would be excited for 44 <laughs> wins. Like, how can we do, how can I do that? Like, it's, that is why, I mean, if it's 44, it's, yeah, okay, they played like, yeah. If it, okay, season. but with the context of them getting a playoff series. Yeah. To be able, I mean, I will be excited and, and to go to playoff games in Oklahoma City again. Yeah, no, and you, and you said like 46, 47, I don't remember, not 44. Yeah. Which is, which is, yeah. I mean, if they can win 47, playing like a lot of, like losing a lot of, games that are like either wins or losses and just be dominant, having like a good net rating, that would be exciting. Mm -hmm. That would actually be exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I actually believe if they win 47, they will be there like the fifth, fourth seed next season because I, because I can see a lot of, I don't see many teams that are extremely good. I can see many teams that can win more than 44 games next season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if they got home court advantage in a playoff series, that would be ridiculous. That would it'd be yeah. it's just I'm just excited to have playoff basketball back in Oklahoma City. And if yeah. if that happened and they won forty four games, yes, I would be excited. <laughs> yes. Okay. I would be fully okay. I would be very excited. Um let's see, James Anderson in the chat said that Wiggins and Markinen stunk their first few years. Let, let's go through their stats real quick and see if they're anything close to what Jonathan Kaminga is. For Markinen in year one. 15 and seven and a half in year one. Shoot, shot 36% on six attempts from three. Yeah, year two, that is not stinking. Sorry. In year two for Chicago, 18 and nine, shooting 36% no. on six threes a game. Like, that's great. If, if Kaminga did that, man, we'd be talking about the Warriors like like, dynasty part two incoming. Yeah. For Wiggins, in year one, 16.9 points per game, 4.6 boards, 2 assists. In year two, 20 points. I mean, he averaged 20 points per game in year no, two. No, it's, it's uh, James, I'm sorry. Just, those were not stinky players. Those were miscast players. Yeah. Yes. In the, in, the, oh, in the eye of the, of the, the media. Like, yeah. Kuminga is not getting on the court. He's not, he's not even doing these things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wiggs no, in the, and, and Markkanen would have gotten on the court in the playoffs for yeah. the Warriors in real minutes. And Kuminga is just a, definitely a tier below. And that's why, yeah, if I'm Toronto, I'm not necessarily excited either Yeah, for a package surrounding Jonathan Kuminga. But no, no, no. No, no. Like my definition of stinky for a top ten pick is just being like, um, what's the name? 
Texas Texas A&M. Um, no, Texas, Texas Tech, sorry. Six big uh, culvert. Oh, culvert. Which had a terrible rookie season and horrible workouts. That is a stinky uh, two years. We yeah, Jer Culver's is he's pretty rough. I mean, guys that were like legitimately not good in their first few years that ended up being good. I mean, I'm I'm going back pretty far just to make sure that I'm even all of picture was not great, but he was scoring for Orlando. I mean, there were games where he actually scored 36 points. I remember one against OKC, which was like like three for three at the end of the game where Russ yeah. like like overtime and it was Oladipo scoring 36 points like yeah and it was not a great rookie career for the third pick yeah um, 13.8 four and four in year one then year two 18 four and four yeah you know I mean Kaminga just finished year two yeah I mean, there's. I'm trying to even find somebody that was just really legitimately bad that ended up being like a all star type of player. Like the guys that were bad, like Stanley Johnson and Justice bad. Winslow and oh boy, Ben McLemore and Trey oh, Burke. Um, I, I fell for him. A lot of people did, he spe- was so especially juicy. the Kings. This shot was so juicy. Thomas Robinson and. Gosh, I mean, it's Anthony just Bennett. <laughs> Anthony Bennett. It's just it's it's tough to find the player though. Noah Vonley and Alfred Payton. Like it's just tough to find the guy in that range. Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender, Chris oh. Dunn, uh, Thon Maker was the tenth pick. Um, Macor. Um, and, and by the way, on this topic, Sam Vecini and Adam Spinella made like a great podcast on misevaluations and reasons behind this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's very informative and it's a very good podcast. Um, to me, there are not many of these. And so after two years, if you didn't show anything that will just say, oh, at least that, at least the wow moment, which Kuminga had good games, but those were like in moments where, I mean, you just need someone to score the points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. There's an August podcast for you. Um, anything else before we go? I thought you had five questions. I did. We didn't get through them. That's okay. We did three. The other two are left on the cutting room floor, and that's fine by me. So we're good. Okay. You don't want like two very quick answers? No. Like, okay. No. Then we'll no. save it for another time. I'm completely satisfied right now okay. with this podcast. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, I think we are maybe this week or next week doing a Deborah Buckets trivia hour. I don't know if that's this week or next week. So wow. prepare your hearts and minds for that. It's going to be very fun. Uh, you guys enjoy your Sunday. Michele, enjoy the birthday party. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.